Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches at all levels of football. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 29 of the podcast welcomes Coach Matt DeBuck, head coach for Cardinal Gibbons High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. DeBuck played for the Cardinal Gibbons Chiefs in the early 90s, leading the Chiefs to the state finals in 1992. He later committed to Texas Tech, where he played wide receiver, running back, kick returner, and punt returner. His performance for the Red Raiders drew interest from the CFL, where DeBuck would be drafted in the first round of the 1997 CFL draft by the Toronto Argonauts. He would later be traded to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, where he would retire after the 1999 season. After the CFL, DeBuck coached receivers for two years at West Texas A&M, where he also served as the NFL's film liaison. DeBuck currently is in his 18th year coaching at his alma mater, Cardinal Gibbons, and he is in his sixth year as the head coach. He won the 2018 Florida 5A state title, the first in the school's history, and in 2020, the Chiefs won a second title. Cardinal Gibbons has made the playoffs in all six seasons under Coach DeBuck. Coach, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, what you do, because... The third part, obviously, of, of football, a lot of people ignore. And here at Cardinal Gibbons, we don't ignore it, and we really major in it. So uh, appreciate you having me and, and what you guys and your company does for the specialists. Yeah, I'll give a little background on us. Um, I, I met you, and I don't even know if you, you know this, but my first encounter with your program and you and your staff was in Atlanta, Georgia. There was a preseason kickoff classic, if you will. There was about eight games being played on that weekend a couple years ago in Atlanta at Milton High School. And you guys kicked off that weekend, um, that Friday night, I should say. And my team, Mainland High School, I was coaching at at the time, was able to watch you guys play. We were also able to interact with your program a little bit at some of the team functions. We were we were eating together at times. There was a there was a slam dunk contest. It was a, it was a really good social atmosphere. It was a great way for the kids to interact and and just get away from football for a few minutes in between the games. And I just want to let you know, it was amazing to, to sit with your staff. I, I sat with a few of your assistants and then a few of your players would come over and interact with your assistants. And you guys were classy, man. Like you guys play football well, but I think the 
people fail to realize that it's the little things that make the biggest of differences. And you can tell you guys are a team that dots I's crosses T's. And, you know, I come to find out later that we, we established a relationship. And I think, I think what appealed to me most is that you just said it, uh, you value that third of the game and you treat it like it's, it's, it's an equivalent of offense and defense. You really break it into thirds and you realize that you must capitalize on that fourth down, which occurs every one in six plays in football. So I want to transition to some questions for you. I, I, I want to start with this. I, I played at Mainland High School. Like you, I played uh, where I coached. I was I coached at my alma mater, Mainland, uh, 10, 12 years later. But in 1999, that was my last football game. I'm a few years younger than you, Coach. Uh, Kissimmee Osceola was a team that year. They were nationally renowned. They had about 11 guys that were going to go D1 if they were eligible um, and it was the closest I would ever get to a state title. We blew an 11 point lead in the fourth quarter at their house and uh, they came back and they eventually won the state title. Um, so 12 years at Mainland High School as a coach, I got close again. Uh, the team that we could not get past was Miami Central. We lost to them four times in the semis. Um, I realized that in 92, you had a similar experience. You uh, came up short in your state championship game. But in 2018, as a coach for Gibbons, you were able to win a state title for your alma mater. I'd like for you to share what you believe to be essential for a team to become a championship team. You know, everybody, you know, in today's world, you know, nobody stays at a place for very long. It's very transient, the business we're in. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be here for almost half of my life. Um, and, and again, that, it means a lot, you know, the, the wins and losses, they definitely mean a little bit more uh, when the community, the guys that you play with, you're coaching their kids now, uh, that were your teammates, the, the, you know, your boosters or your friends that have an interest in Friday night football because, you know, they like you and, and they like what you're doing. But, you know, one correction, we, we played in the state championship in 91 um, and we were really good. And we played in Daytona at the Municipal Stadium against Live Oak Swanee, which had been a three-time in a row state champion. So we were walking into a very good team. And we had played uh, Clueston the week before, or actually two weeks before that in triple overtime. And then we played Orlando Jones, and then we went to the state championship. And uh, we just got caught up. The bus broke down. You know, it was one of those days it rained from start to finish and we just got beat by a better team that night. And, you know, as a junior at the time, you're not completely heartbroken because you think you get another whack at it the next year. And I tell our kids this all the time. I go, forget, forget the, forget the next day, man. Today is the day. Uh, we never look ahead. We never take an opponent for granted. We don't, we don't, I don't care if we're playing American Heritage Plantation next week, and we're playing somebody not as good this week. The most important game is the one you're playing. And I kind of learned that as a, as a player, as a coach, because we didn't get back. We lost the next year in the first round to Miami Pace my senior year. And um, my recruiting thing was a lot different. You know, I'm not six foot. You know, I, I, I didn't sign on signing day. I, I really didn't know where I was going to go. I was originally going to be a preferred walk-on at Ole Miss and that um, then kind of Texas Tech called me and said they had a scholarship 
and I visited and I, I ended up going to Texas Tech and, and it was far from home, far from South Florida, very different. Um, but I got a degree and um, it kind of catapulted me into my next phase of life. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get picked up in the CFL and play for four more years and, and get paid to play. And whenever my players look at me and they go, oh, you were this and you were that, I say, yeah, have you ever gotten paid to play? And uh, that makes you a professional. And um, so that was cool. But, uh, you know, you can never take for granted what you have today. And especially in sports, the dynamics can change. Miami Central has been very good for a long time. Miami Northwestern. Uh, I've played both of those teams in in my last five years as being the head coach. Um, And... Uh, my, and I'm 0-2 against those guys. Had we we're up 21 nothing against Central and ended up blowing the game. But uh, I've been very fortunate here. In five years, we've won 52 games in a shortened season this year to win the state championship, amongst all the craziness that followed. But uh, our guys stayed together. We didn't have one COVID case. Uh, we were pretty disciplined on how we use the locker room. So. You know, it's still doing those little things, kind of like a special teams part of it that you really got to focus on. And, um, you know, if you don't do that, you're not going to find yourself in those opportunities. And, and again, nobody can guarantee anything other than opportunities. And you won't have those opportunities if you don't do the little things. Couldn't agree more. I, I heard a good quote the other day, and it reminds me of what you said about time and the value of it being present, all these things. It says, if you want peace, prepare for war. And I think that people need to hear that more, especially coaches that are leading young men. Is it, The complacency, I think, is what is what really gets all of us. It's not the ability, um, especially when you, you have two equal opponents. It's the people that prepare like every game is a Super Bowl or every game could very well be my last because last time I checked football is a violent, aggressive, oftentimes unnatural movement. Uh, the things that, that that are required of us to teach, to play, whatever. So I love what you said is, is there's no better time than now. And we've got to make sure that we win now. Uh, and I'm not saying just games, but again, uh, you guys are stand up guys you guys you guys I see what your academics is like I see what your weight training is like I don't think people realize how much effort is placed in in being a champion and looking like a champion on Friday or Saturday or Sunday whatever level you're playing the team that looks more prepared probably is the team that executes better probably does it better in practice uh, and, and and they probably care more simply put so I I really value coaches like you because you're, you're really bringing up the next generation of guys that are going to be coaches too. So, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question a little more about special teams. You know, this is a special teams focused show. And I, and I want to let the audience know that you did in fact, yes, you were a receiver, but you were a kick returner. You were a punt returner at Texas tech. You made a name for yourself. You know, the first, I think the first touch you got on the, on, on the kickoff return team, you had a 34 yard strike put your offense in great field position. And then you never look back. You got a lot of reps on both PR and KR. Could you share with the audience what special teams means to you now as a head coach and how these feelings have influenced your playing and coaching careers? Well, the first touch I got, we had an all Southwest conference at that time named Tracy Saul. He was all Southwest conference punt returner. 
and he got dinged up in camp. And my redshirt freshman year, first game, we played the University of Pacific, and I caught a punt on the 50-yard line. And I was taking it all the way down to score. And my own guy, Sean Jackson, hit me and uh, knocked me down on the two-yard line. And I didn't, I didn't score. And um, I had another big return that year in the Sun Bowl uh, against Oklahoma for a touchdown. But that got called back. But I'll, I'll take credit for it. It was on film. But, you know, going to the special teams meetings, you know, even as a young player, you, you never really want to buy into the special teams because you, you spend so much time learning the positions you play. I, at that time, I was a two-way player. I played receiver as a slot receiver, and I was like the third string running back. So I would get reps at running back. And um, you spend so much time in meetings for that and this. And, and then um, – you know, you, you, you're out there catching punts before practice off the jugs machine daily. Um, we had a punt return coach that played at University of Texas special team, Dean Campbell, that um, I don't know if you've, he's pretty legendary in the state of Texas, but he, a uh, smaller guy, I was actually taller than him. He kind of liked me. And, uh, you know, then I took it to Canada and I was actually on the kickoff team in Canada, which I'd never been on before and actually got hurt on the kickoff team uh, in the preseason game. But, uh, you know, I returned kicks there too. And, and uh, in Canada, the rules are a little different. You can run it out of the end zone. Uh, it's called a rouge. You can – it's pretty the, – the rules are really more for specialists in Canada. The Canadian kicking game is crazy. Um, it's a lot more fun and in, 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 – uh, I think you have opportunities to showcase your talents more with the bigger field. But going back to just, you know, I think that's where it's instilled in me. You know, the, the, the next thing you do as a coach is you, you, you learn every position and then you learn to hire the right guys. I have the best guy in, you know, the best guy in the state of Florida, I think, Dave Montiel. We've had a, a guy that's assisted him on and off the last four years, Dan Marguerite. And uh, he was a head coach in Broward County for 30 years. So you, you really, you know, it's kind of like offensive linemen. You know, you don't really talk about old linemen until they get a penalty, right? <laughs> and special teams is the same way, you know. The snap is good. The kick is off. You did your job uh, if you covered. It's when the snap's not there or the kick is not as good. And, uh, you know, that's when you start seeing the specialists and then, obviously majoring in more time in practice and, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I hate the ball not going into the end zone on the kickoff. I like close my eyes almost every time, you know, and make sure that guy's tackled. Cause we lost uh, a triple overtime game, the American heritage plantation two years ago where, or no, three years ago where we gave up a 58, 57 blocked extra point in triple overtime. And we gave up a kick return. And, uh, you know, at that point, as a younger coach, head coach, I said, that's not going to happen again. And uh, everything that I schedule in our practice plan has two special team periods. Um, so I give Coach Montiel, you know, his time that he needs, that he feels that's necessary. And for me, if we go over on that time period, that's okay. Um, if we have to get these things handled and we'll cut somewhere else uh, time-wise, but I think special teams is, is definitely from a player 
to playing in Canada and now to being a, a head coach. And, and as a, as an assistant coach, you coach your position unless the coach says, Hey, you got the kick return, which I always used to coach the returners, the punt returners and the kick returners, but I, I never drew it up schematically. And, um, as a head coach now, I, I find what guys played and how much they played and what they know about the kicking game. And we kind of divide it up a little bit and coach Montiel handles the, um, coordination of it. And as a head coach, offensive coordinator, I watch every game of our opponent on special teams. Um, so I know who the return guy is. I know what, if they're a directional kick team, I know if there's a strong kicker, I know if we're going to move our kickers or returners up. I know if we need to go for the block because the snap is slow. And then coach Montiel uh, does a great job coordinating with the right people and to make the plays that we need to have to, to win the game. I love the I love your honesty. You know that sometimes we we learn in a hard way. You know we learn through experiencing something that has a negative effect on us. Uh, I I'll never forget. It seems very trivial, but I didn't take a lot of pride in my PAT. You know A and B gap. You know guard tackle relationship, and I especially didn't one year when my left guard was our best player on the team. You know highly touted kid, big big body. Uh, never got beat on offense, but he did loaf at times in practice uh, when I asked him to give effort, you know, protect our operation. You know, we have you there for a purpose. And sure enough, uh, that same season, we were at Sanford Seminole. You, you're well aware of who they are. Um, and they took advantage of it. They, he, he gave up the inside. Uh, kid came almost, almost untouched through the A-gap, got his paw up. Uh, may have been a little low kick, but it didn't matter. The trajectory would have had to have been almost straight up in the air because the kid got so much pressure in the backfield that we lost the game 21-20. I felt very empty inside as, as a special teams coordinator. I, I felt like my offense and defensive coordinator gave us every chance to win that game against a very good opponent. And uh, who knows what would have happened had we executed on that seemingly mundane play, the extra point. So I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that sometimes we need to experience this at coaches. So, so we never, it never happens again. Um, many listeners of the show are, in fact, high school head coaches like you. Um, they, they're interested in how to get better in this third. And the other large portion, believe it or not, are college special teams coordinators because they're very interested in uh, how to structure a specialist practice and, and you know, how many reps is good and all these things. Uh, they also, high school coaches especially, expressed to me concerns in how to identify the best specialist for that particular purpose. Uh, or, in fact, how do I identify a potential specialist off a high school soccer team if I need one? You've been blessed with some great specialists at Cardinal Gibbons over the years. And uh, I'd like you to share what you look for in a specialist, uh, perhaps both physically and mentally. Well, you know, specialists are like, you know, almost like the, the oddity because they're, they're, it's a confidence-based position. If you're sure. catching a punt, if you're not confident, I don't care how good your hands are and how you track it, you're probably going to have a, a mishap. I, I played center field in baseball. I could get back on a punt. I could come up on a punt. It was just a natural thing for me to do. So baseball to me was, was always a, a, a catalyst which helped me. As far as kickers are concerned, you know, they're in their own world sometimes and they're very hard to reach mentally. They, they, they lose confidence quickly. Um, I, try, I try once the, the kicker has established himself as the guy, I really change my tone with him. 
we've had Blair Walsh here. It's, you know, an NFL guy, Dayton Montiel, which is at, at FIU now. Uh, we've had long snappers and army and, you know, we, we put kids all over the country uh, as returners or kickers. And, and, and I think the way you got to treat those guys is put pressure on them, but do it in a way that it's not going to take their confidence away. And uh, we didn't have an established kicker early in the year. And so when they're not established yet, I, I heat them up pretty good at practice with the clock, with some things I might say to them. I may get the team jumping around them to take their – their mind off of it. How mentally tough can they be when the game's on the line? Uh, again, American Heritage does a great job. They blocked a, a extra point th- or a short field goal this year and went 80 yards to the house. And we ended up losing by three points and had the ball on the 11 yard line and we timed out. Um, so, you know, there is no, you know, part, there's no guarantees that because you practice it, it's going to be perfect because the other team practices too. And the better competition you get, the better coaches you're going to go against, the, you know, you're going to have some mismatches that you got to protect. And bringing Dan back to take a little bit of pressure off of Dave is going to make us a little bit better, I believe, on our extra point field goal team. Finding the right personnel, the big bodies, you know, making sure that you can widen them out but not losing gap integrity. Um, those are all things that we look for. And then, you know, as far as the kickers and, and getting kickers, you know, you, you, um, you, you, your, your group of guys kind of look at rosters all over their county and know who's, who's graduating and who's not and who's there. It's a smaller circle. Um, so for us in Broward County, I th- think we're getting recruited by kickers more than, than anything else. Um, and we have a good one. We have two good ones now. We have a good long snapper and we have um, good staff and, and, you know, we commit time to it. So, you know, there's no guarantees you're going to have success a hundred percent of the time, but you certainly can go to bed at night and wake up in the morning knowing that you're doing what you can do in order to take care of that phase of the game. I love what you said. And I think my takeaway from what you said that the high school coaches listening to this episode need to really hear is uh, we have to create an environment where yes, we're going to support the kicker, but I, I, I think that we should also challenge them. And I think it should be uh, the right time, the right place, uh, because we've got to, we've got to put them in adverse situations and see who can handle the pressure, obviously, because we're called on very seldom in a game and it's oftentimes to, to win or lose it or to keep, to keep us close, you know, to keep, so it's, it's very important to be strong mentally and obviously the physical traits come with that. But I think what I like most about what you guys do down there is you have a culture of, of, of support, um, but at the same time, you, you're going to make sure that the best person plays, you know, and I think that coaches that are going to grab a, maybe a baseball player or, or a, a, even a golfer, I've heard some pitchers relate transfer very well to kicking um, tennis. It, it doesn't matter. You can get very creative. You need an athlete. You need a kid that's cerebral, that can think on his feet, that's open minded because they're learning a new or acquiring a new skill set and kicking. But um, there are so many good potential specialists on high school campuses that, that never even give it a go. And I think that the onus is on the, spe- the special teams coach or the head coach, hopefully, to, to encourage these kids to come give it a go and slowly but surely find out who the best man for the job is. So 
I love what you're doing. Uh, you, you should put fire in them. You should put them in pressure. You should see how they respond to, to the adversity because it's a good indicator of how they handle it on Fridays. Support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for quality wellness CBD products to improve sleep, focus, and energy. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, and Travis Pastrana. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummies products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of choosing just one, visit justlive.com using code SUPPORT to buy one and get one free. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com using code support. All right, going to talk about recruiting a little bit. Recruiting is obviously ongoing and for specialists. It's often at the final hour, an offer or a PWO is available. Only a handful of specialists each year have the option of signing early and many quote unquote five stars are lucky to receive even a PWO, let alone a scholarship. I want to know your opinion of the current state of recruitment of high school specialists and how specialists can be more proactive in helping their head coaches with their recruiting process. Well, I got, I, I have two thoughts on this. Um, if, if I'm, and I'll use Nick Saban as an example, if I'm Nick Saban and I make 10 million a year, I guess there's two guys that I'm going to be in touch with all the time, a kicking guy that I trust and a quarterback guy. Where's the, where are the best kickers? Who are the best kickers? That person needs to identify those guys. And then can we get one of those guys? Best quarterback. Quarterbacks touch the ball every play, you know, on, on, on offense. I'm going to, if I'm a $10 million man, I'm going to make sure I'm connected to the best quarterback guys in the nation. Um, now I'm not a $10 million man. I'm a $10 man. So, um, you know, theoretically, you, you, you look at the recruiting end of it and in your guys' business, a lot of it has to do with your, your individual sessions, you know, your, your competitions. And the competitions are great because the kids that are specialists typically in practice don't get much competitive work other than their time. And it's short. Um, and, you know, some schools won't even do that. They'll kick field goals at the end of practice and you're done. The kid stands around for two hours. So, you know, finding, finding the right guy, if you have an elite specialist as a parent, which I am a parent, and a coach, is to make sure that you can give your kid every advantage when it comes to the recruiting process. If he's a Division three player, NAI player, is he going to be a Division two player? or division one player or power five player. Now it's broken down into all these segments. Um, you know, the, 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 the long snapper typically doesn't have to be the big group offensive lineman anymore. He's got to be a guy that can run. So the, the evolutionary change of the game, you know, it's, it's got to be a six, one, six, two guy that can run down the field, but has to be super accurate on the snap. You know, who, who decides he gets a scholarship and who doesn't, you know, do you have to go to, Las Vegas and spend a bunch of money or, or do you, can you do it in your own state? I mean, how connected is your kicking coach to the college guys? You know, for me as the head coach, we get a, we used to get 125 college coaches through in the spring. Once again, we won't have that this year. What camps do you go to in the summer? I mean, there's a lot when it comes to a specialist of, of how they're recruited. Um, but there, there are, what, 31 NFL teams? 
that means there's 31 snappers, there's 31 um, kickers, there's 31 punters. All right, so start doing the numbers on the jobs. There's 130 Division One teams. Start doing the math. I mean, you know, the numbers grow, but the competition is high. And you have to be one of those guys that not only are a physical match, but a mental match. And you got to be able to handle a guy that, like if you go to Alabama, like Nick Saban. Well, he doesn't care about your feelings. He just cares about the, the, the job getting done. Where, you know, at the high school level, we're, we're more mothering and mentoring. Where at the next two levels in the NFL, you get fired. You go home, they get somebody else. So finding the right guy, I would say, and obviously what you're doing uh, in Daytona uh, is good. And I wish we could, I wish we had more access to you. But hopefully after the COVID thing finally starts to loosen up a little bit, we can get you back down here to run some of those camps because I love what you did that day that you were out here prior to COVID. Um, but it, it's, it's hard. And, and I'll say this, you know, I've never been a, you know, I've, I've always had friends that were kickers because I've been on special teams, but I played in Toronto. We had a guy named Mike Vanderjack. Remember Mike Vanderjack? Legend. I absolutely. Yeah. When I tell you one of the coolest cats I've ever been around, I think he lives in Clearwater. He's a guy I'd love to get in touch with. Um, he's from Toronto and he had, he had walked on, I guess, at Michigan state and played at Michigan state and then ended up kicking in Toronto for four or five years before the NFL picked him up. And I think at one time he was the most accurate kicker. Yes, he was. In history. Um, but when I tell you one of the coolest guys and fun guys and happy go lucky guys and just nothing bothered him, he would run on scout team against our DBs and he'd burn a DB and the next day he'd come in with a towel with their number on the towel with an X mark through it. <laughs> Burnt that guy. But that's the kind of guy he was. But I think that's why he was such a successful guy that played in the NFL for he played pro football probably for 12 or 13 years. And, um, you know, when I look at kickers, I always think about Mike Vanderjack because I, I think about nothing could bother that guy. And you never saw him. You saw him locked in, but you never saw him feeling he he thrived on it. And I think that's what you got to look for when you look for kickers. I like what you said about the competitions. And, and it, it, you're right. There really is no there's no way to answer this. It's timing, I think, with the recruiting for specialists. Uh, like, like you know, there's got to be a need. And if the kid has aspirations to play FBS and he is, in fact, good enough, there's usually about 30 to 40 schools that recruiting year that may, in fact, need a guy that plays his position. So it's it's limited numbers. And on the competition note that you mentioned, at Fourth Down University, we don't give stars. We, we don't rank kids. We, we, we do help kids uh, get placed where, where they would fit best um, in the short term and ultimately the long term. If we see that there's a ceiling there and he wants to walk on somewhere, uh, we'll still place him somewhere where we think we can get him in that position where he will play eventually. Um, but I, I do. I encourage my best kids to go to these competitions, uh, whether it be in Vegas or Orlando. There's there's showcases in, and now in Dallas. And it's, it's a it's a booming business. Um, and I think a lot of people have their hand in that pot. And I think my only disconnect or what, what I think that is or what I found is becoming a problem with people evaluating the results of these situations is there is no live snap and hold. Right. There is no live op punt. There's no uh, hand to foot 
being charted. So these kids are receiving a snap from Trey to Buck, for example, your son, who's a very good one. Trey may have thrown a dime, but the kid will take three seconds to get his mold correct. So it's perfectly placed in his hand. And then it'll take a real long time to take his first step. And finally, in a perfect situation, he hits a beautiful ball. I think a lot of kids can operate in an excellent way when it's not in what football wants. Football has football has rules, you know, and one of the biggest rules of the game, as you know, is if my punter can't operate in under a 2-2, if there's pressure from a South Florida team on PR coming at us with eight guys, he can't get the ball off in, in, in three seconds and be effective for us. That ball's blocked. We just lost the game. Uh, so I wish and my hope is that as we evolve in the specialist community, that we can give these kids the opportunity to, to be in football situations, not kickball situations. But that being said, I, I, I think it's good exposure. I do think there's pressure there. There are really talented kids that are, that are kicking and punting and snapping at a high level. And it's a great litmus test as to where do I really stand amongst my peers in terms of leg strength, uh, accuracy as a specialist, or most importantly in your terms, kickoffs. Does this kid put it 65 plus? And if he doesn't hit it 65 and it goes, I don't know, 61 and, and the ball's in play, did you give us a 3-9 or better hang time? These are very important things in football, and I don't think football is going to waver from this. I want to ask you one more question. We kind of touched on it, but I think you still have something to say on this. You've been coaching for 20 plus years at varying levels. You played at the highest level. What are some traits um, you referenced Vanderjack, but what are, what are some other traits other than just being, just being a good attitude and not letting things get to you? What do you think specialists at the highest level, what trait do you think they share? Well, it's like I tell our, our, our players all the time, whether you're a specialist or, or whatever. I said, whatever happened in the building during the day, when you come out, you, you have two hours. You got to leave that problem behind you. You've had a, an argument with your girlfriend, whatever. And he's a, even as a coach, when you walk out on that field, we're a team. And the teams that can do that, consistently because it's human nature to him and holler feel sorry for yourself it's human nature to do that and then you don't get your best effort you're not focused so i mean you know as talent always rules let's let's face it but when you get a bunch of talented people and you get focused people there's where you get the next level and um i was a not much to look at as a player um, five foot seven, I was 165 pounds and I could run fast and I could catch. But I think what you saw when you recruited me was a guy that played to the whistle and I played extremely hard. And when scouts were at our practices, I, I made them say, we like him, but he's not, you know, he's not big enough or whatever. But it only took one to give me an opportunity. And I took and I made the most of my opportunity. Um, I look at the specialists and I go, it's only going to take one. It's one school um, that's going to give you an opportunity if you do your job. But you can't you can't have nine punts or nine snaps great and one snap bad. And that snap goes into the end zone or, or it gets blocked. So, you know, that part of consistency and um, doing your job. I say that to our kids. Oh, just do your job. Don't worry about his job. You do your job. 
If he does your job, you do your job, and he does his job. Then everybody's job gets done, and we get our, our, our playoff the way we want it. And um, so I think focus and consistency when all things are, are equal. Sometimes you're just going to be better than the opponent, physically stronger, bigger, faster. You know, what are you going to do? Like, I can't line up my 2018 team against the Miami Dolphins and expect to win. But we're state champions. But it's a different level. Right. So understanding the level you're at. And, and I think the biggest problem with a lot of kids is, and, and I, I even think coaches to some extent, I coached in college and I know what hours we put in daily and the lack of vacation time, the lack of a life, the recruiting phone calls you have to make. Um, it looks good when you're watching it on NBC and there's 65,000 people and there's a limp shot and, you see the teams run out and you think that you can do that too, but are you willing to put the time in to get to that spot? And I, I look at kids all the time and they want this star, that star, but you don't even have any film, but you went to a camp and you ran fast time, but all of a sudden, you know, you're getting ranked, ranked or rated. Where's the film. And um, I think, unfortunately the college guys, fall into the fake offers and they, they, they hear, Oh, uh, Charlie Partridge at, at Pitt offered them, man, we got off. Well, I mean, do your homework coach. You don't need to piggyback off of what Charlie did. And, you know, I'm friends with Mike Leach and he, he told me, he said all the time, if I offer a receiver tomorrow, he'll have 20 offers, but are they committable offers? And that's another thing that I get very angry about when when somebody throws out an offer but you can't commit to that school then to me that is that that's just that's just social media you know canon fodder and and i don't think it's worth anything so i tell our kids all the time I said listen just do your job man and they, they'll evaluate you we know enough coaches to get you evaluated but sometimes we over evaluate ourselves and, and that's all part of life you know the way mom and dad see it isn't necessarily the way I see it or the way Charlie Parcher sees it. We talk a lot on this show about distractions and, you know, with, with social media and everything is, is a second away. We can figure out the cure for cancer. That's, that's a bad example because we haven't. But if we if, if it were to come out today, you and I could probably within a few clicks figure out how it was how it was figured out. But I think these kids are just it's hard for them. I think it's harder for them than it was for us. And it's understandable because these inflated egos, these, these stars and, 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 and these men that put these kids on pedestals just for the purpose of the betterment for their own brand as as far as adults go. I just think it's disgusting sometimes that what I see that men do to influence these guys to think that they're better. And when, when it all comes down to the hard work at all, it, it still comes down to the things that you and I were, were raised on is, you know, talent will win, but it's going to be down to four or five talented people and who in fact is the best human who in fact can, can get up early and never miss a workout. Who, who's going to be the guy that when that coach comes on campus and asks the janitor, how did he treat you on his bad days? And I like mostly what you said about when Billy or Thomas or whoever it is comes out of my football field, can they really break away from all these distractions for two and a half hours, three hours, whatever it is, and focus on the task at hand? Because I think sometimes kids do not put even half of their mind into what's going on in the field. The other half is, is in places that will be there 
when you're off the football field. It's not going anywhere. Um, and I, and I, I hope they realize that sooner than later. It's something that I struggle with. Uh, I had a lot of distractions as a kid and I didn't place, I didn't place the value I should have in football almost until it was too late. My, my senior year in high school, I really bought in. And had I bought in sooner, who knows, who knows, who knows how much better I'd be as a person and a, and a player. So, so coach, I, I really just want to thank you for your time. Your, your message today, it really hit home because it, it reinforced a lot of things we've discussed on the previous episodes last few months. Um, I would like also, I always end, end the show and uh, asking my, my guests to share ways that they can be reached. And I think Twitter is probably the best way that you could be reached if someone wants to reach out and ask you a question following up from this. So if you could share um, your preference, uh, how, how someone could follow up with you. At Redskins32 is my Twitter. Um, I'm really not on Instagram. I, we have one through football, but I, I really don't. Honestly, between the phone calls at night and, and what I try to get out to our kids, it's, it's through uh, my, my personal Twitter or our, our football Twitter at Gibbons Football. And we started that when I took over as the head coach, you know, and, uh, we, have a, and we have Instagram now too. Listen, I, I, I employ somebody to run the, the football Facebook and, and uh, Instagram and, and the Twitter and I, my own personal Twitter, I'll retweet, whatnot. But that's a whole other element that you and I didn't have back then and what a coach has to do, do today to make a, a solid program. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate what you, what you do and, and um, I look forward to getting back with, with you guys maybe there or, or down here sooner than later and just keep doing what you're doing. And, and there needs to be more of us uh, to tell the truth, um, to make sure that, that, that these kids understand there's plenty of opportunities, but you know, the, you have to take advantage of them. And sometimes, you know, if you don't, you could be X'd out quick and it's hard to come back from. So, you know, my, my message to your, your guys listening to the, to the young guys is, man, just go out there every day and, and work hard. And it, I, I know it's, you guys feel, feel like the lone wolf at times and, and nobody cares or whatnot, but everybody cares when you go kick that football or you punt that ball or you snap that ball. Everybody cares. So whatever coach you have or don't have, you're just going to have to find a way to tune yourself up. So when your opportunity comes, you're dialed in. I can't thank you enough, coach. Um, I'll, I'll be sure to follow up with you. Um, definitely want to get down there soon. It's been an eventful year to say the least, uh, but I, I see a lot at the end of the tunnel. I think that we're, we're more responsible and, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. We all go through it. So again, thank you. It means a lot, not only to me, but everyone at fourth down focus that you were able to share a little bit about your uh, story. Uh, please give us a like, subscribe to the show, and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast, suggestions for future topics and guests, or if you just have feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter are at fourthdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm at myself, at Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by Bets Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.